subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. You need to know exactly where your food's coming from. That's the, the clientele that write the menu every week. Keeping your eyes open and your ear to the ground, essentially, and listening to what people are growing. The integrity, that, that provenance, that ability to not just know where something came from, but to really know the, the ins and outs of how it was raised mm-hmm. is really important. G'day and welcome to the Quicksand Food Connection podcast. This is the Capital Cookbook 3 edition and my name's Stefan Postuma. Today I speak with Jason Messman, who is the owner and the operator of the Truffle Farm at Madura. The Truffle Farm has been there for a number of years, but only recently Jason has taken over, brought in his pack of Labradors and a few pigs and really sort of developed and enhanced the business. He has a great function center on site and he also is really involved in the community, getting them out there, educated about truffles and getting them interested in this wonderful product. He's got a wealth of experience as a truffle hunter and really has a great vision for what the truffle farm can do for the future. It's a great part of Canberra food culture, truffle hunting. There's lots of places that produce truffles around Canberra and the community is really starting to take notice and get involved. I really enjoyed speaking to Jason and I hope that you also enjoy my conversation with Jason Messman from the Truffle Farm in Madura. Just to start off with, and, um, and we already went over some of it, but like you started, did you start as a dog as a dog trainer? And you said you started in law enforcement. You can give us a bit of a background of how, how it all came together. Yeah, so as, as an 18-year-old, I just had a friend working uh, within the Australian Customs Service. They called me and said, uh, look, we've, we know that you like the outdoors and you like dogs. Uh, we've got a position here if you're interested. I actually turned around and said no. And lucky for me, 18, I was still living at home. Mum clipped me across the ears and said, nah, you can stop bumming on the couch and get yeah. a job. Yeah. <laughs> so I hit redial on the old school phones and hit the number back and said, oh, it's Jason, can I take that job? They said, sure, no problems. It was literally two and a half minutes later. Wow. Went in, started working with them. Uh, it was quickly pointed out that I had a bit of an affinity with dogs. Uh, helped rescue or not rescue sorry helped rehome one of the dogs that didn't quite make the grade Mm -hmm. i was asked by one of the instructors to go and find this home for this dog named peace i started to think she was quite good so i started to train her a little bit and gave it back to the instructor and she was she was back up to par so as a reward or a way of shutting me up he sent me over to wa Mm -hmm. uh, with my own dog had a lot of success over there um made the paper uh, by default because of something that we found uh, that evening, I got a phone call from uh, the wine and truffle company saying, we saw your uh, picture in the paper. Is there any chance you can come back and 
uh, come down here and give us a hand because our brains just forgot that we needed pigs or dogs to find these things called truffles. <laughs> so I went down there with Samson, who was a rescue at six months of age, and he had a huge amount of success, and we were hired. And then from there, it just really grew from there. So mm. I still do that type of work uh, full-time, but I'm lucky enough to take uh, my annual leave and work on the farm. So, mm. yeah. That's great. And and so since, <coughs> like, starting in WA with the wine and truffle company, that's that's basically, is that sort of the first you sort of learned about truffles and where you started an education in it? Yeah, very much so. So they were one of the leaders in the Australian industry, one of the first farms to produce. So Tasmania was actually the first uh, area to produce successfully in Australia. But WA and Manjimup in particular caught up really quickly and has clearly overtaken uh, yeah. anywhere else. Uh, and that's world around, like the wine and truffle, which is now the truffle and wine company because truffles have taken over their wine too they're producing in the vicinity of six and a half ton per year which is phenomenal so Mm. they've got people from all around the globe coming to visit and try and tap into that success Uh, from there I learned the whole process with the dogs obviously then the grading side of the house as well so getting truffles ready for market how to export it Mm. um, how to send it locally as well how do you speaking grading um, how do you sort of like how does the grading system work? What's the difference between a, you know an A grade truffle and something not so, not such high quality? Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's a tough one because in my opinion, the grading system is somewhat flawed. So, I guess it's an individual thing. So farmers would be in their right mind to sell truffles however they want to sell truffles. But when you're looking at the export market, uh, the international market, there is a United Nations grading system. So it starts with extra class. So extra class is the truffles that you find that are perfectly round. Right. No, no imperfections. So obviously really pungent, great aroma. Then you're looking at the outside of the truffle, which is perfectly black. Um, early season truffles will have like a burgundy tinge to them. So extra class is coming online. They're like a golf ball or like a cricket ball. No imperfections strong color on the outside, strong aroma, and then the small grating nick that's taken out of every truffle, which is shows you a small element of the flesh on the inside. And the idea behind that is to show you again that the flesh should be a really pronounced or a midnight black color, jet mm. black, with a strong white vein running through it. And that white vein is really pronounced. If it's not pronounced, then you'll see that uh, when the truffles are over mature, that white vein will start to fade and kind of fade back into the background of the the black flesh Mm. so yeah it's like a good wagyu Mm. you're looking for that marble effect (laughs) and that's the same with truffles as the grades go down it goes extra class first class second class and then off cuts uh first class is normal multiple multiple uh, imperfections uh not such great shape but in terms of aroma and taste it's still great Mm. it's fantastic and that's kind of where the system is a little bit hard to kind of understand. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's like when, you know, you look at premium grade truffles and I, I personally in the past or whatever, like you can't tell, it's hard to tell the difference between like flavor and aroma wise. There's almost no difference. No, that's right. It's just yeah. sort of that shape and and stuff that's desirable. Yeah, and I guess it's, I guess it's also that theater of dining as well mm. that comes into it. So yeah. the extra class truffle is that truffle that's going to be presented to you before your meal. You're probably at a three hat or a Michelin star restaurant and it's the theatre as well. Yeah. So uh, in terms of aroma and taste, they're very hard to pick the difference between yeah. extra class and first class. 
uh, and then it's down to a preference. Certain mm. chefs are going to want certain truffles, so yeah. you give them what they want. Yeah. Second class, second class is a truffle that's kind of grown in a cluster where it's really knobbly, has lots of bits to it, has lots of nooks and crannies. So the potential for damage within those nooks and crannies is probably greater. Yeah. So you're paying a lesser price point mm. for that risk, I guess. Yeah. But again taste and aroma is pretty close mm. the difference in the grades where it's a definite standout is the off cuts mm. so off cuts are used uh, they're not usually visible in any type of food um, and it's not something that probably should be used excessively um, it's probably used in things like salt where you can draw out that moisture and aroma mm. in that last point but off cuts are usually things that you're looking as inoculant for your trees yeah. in the future yeah and that's really cool what I said to you before when mm. you were you know, when you when you take a, a truffle out of the ground that might be damaged by water or bugs or even the offcuts like the grading notch that you take out of ones, being being able to reuse that, you know, yeah. and, and say, well, like this isn't up to standard for food service, so let's put it in the ground and it can produce more truffles next year. That's yeah. It's a good it's a good little recycler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is handy and it is a yeah, a low wastage uh, industry which which is good for everyone. I yeah. think. So good for the farmers and yeah, yeah, for the public. And you and you've got three different species of trees out here. And you were saying about how each each tree and sort of its position in in the paddock sort of dictates the the aroma and flavor of the different truffles and stuff as well. Yeah, so we we're fortunate to have success on all three types. So people have tried that with limited success. Where our trees are producing fairly consistently across all three types. So we have Quercus ilex, which is the French evergreen, uh, Quercus roba, which is the traditional English oak that we see all around Canberra, yep. uh, and they don't have truffles on them. Mm. <laughs> don't go digging. <laughs> I've, I've searched most of time. those in Canberra. You are just wasting your time. <laughs> uh, and then the third tree, which is actually my favourite, is the hazelnut trees. Yeah. Uh, my favourite just because you think hazelnuts, you think Nutella, like a nutty, chocolatey type of taste and aroma, and that's what I what it reminds me of. That cross with uh, probably a, a nice red wine, so mm. <laughs> it's it's the ultimate truffle in my opinion. Beautiful, yeah, that's cool. Um, and like uh, other than sort of producing truffles for the commercial market around Canberra, you you know tourism and truffle public truffle hunts and corporate events and things like that's a big part of the business. Yeah, and it's it's been astonishing the support that we've had from that. So obviously. Winter is a, t- a time where most people kind of prefer to stay indoors, rug up and not do much, I guess. Mm. Uh, and it's exciting to see that people are coming out in big numbers to do this through winter, through that quiet period. Uh, the tourism aspect of it has been phenomenal. Uh, a lot of visitors from Sydney, Melbourne, but then internationally, the Southeast Asian market, uh, Canberra's airport turning international is bringing in huge, huge mm. potential as well. Um, and it's just down the road. And it's just down the road. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's an exciting time for the farm. It's an exciting time for the industry because I guess with us having the accessibility to tourism and to the public, we're able to educate people on what per- well what's worthy of being purchased. It, it shows us how to break down that price point as well where I guess the common conception is... Um, or perception sorry is truffles cost $3,000 a kilo that's all people ever hear but with us here with the chef we're showing people how to use $50 worth of truffle and get 6 or 7 meals out of it so it's not so um, frightening 
uh, when you put it in relation to other foods that you buy down at some of the supermarkets. The best thing that's happened to us as an industry is the commercial kilo rates and gram rates that's now advertised. So you look at parsley, bay leaves, they can fetch almost $1,000 a kilo as well. Mm. So it's all relative. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see it all changing and it's an exciting time. Mm. And having that, you know, the little pop-up restaurant here is a part of um, a part of the truffle hunt experience is something really cool. Like you say, you can educate people on how to use them. You can show them how to make salt or eggs or butter or whatever, or honey like you've got here or whatever yeah. it may be and, and show them that it is actually affordable. It might not be something that you go out and buy every week and yeah. and have, but yeah. it's probably one of those things that you don't want to have with every meal as well. Like it's sort of a special occasion type thing. So. Def- definitely, I, I think so. And people quite often ask us well what are we doing on the off season well it's it's nice to be able to give people a break yeah <laughs> um in, in terms of where that lies internationally that's where we're also quite fortunate because the european market for truffles is just massive mm. um it's a way of life they put truffles on everything mm. which is exciting for us because now that we're producing it's their off season so when they run out of truffles we, we hit the ground running so the demand for australian truffles in europe is massive Mm. It was often said that, well, we'd never be able to do it successfully, which we heard in Australia all about our vineyards and stuff as well. Uh, now, when you're in France and Italy, you'll actually see that not only are truffles advertised in their off-season uh, in their restaurants, they're actually advertising Australian truffles. I find that interesting. Menus. I've seen that recently, <clears throat> sort of like looking, um, you know, as a cookbook producer and, and being in the food industry, uh, looking at some top-level chefs and stuff post images of their dishes on social media advertising that they've got Australian truffle this is Australian truffle with our pasta or yeah. or whatever it may be and so it's becoming uh, industry that's internationally recognised as you know a quality producer so that's great yeah and they're starting to do things like your uh, like your wines with blind testings as well and stuff okay. like that and Australian truffles are, are getting good results from those tests yeah. so yeah it's it's good fun exciting yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why can't why can't we get white truffles in Australia? Uh, good question. <laughs> so, uh, white truffles. We go back to the Europeans and ask, well, why isn't anyone been able to cultivate white truffles successfully? They believe that we can inoculate white truffles on a tree. I've actually done that on this farm. Um, so we're able to send the uh, the root system for testing, and they can say, "Yep, congratulations, you've got white truffles on the on the root structure." But we can't get it to fruit. Most of the time, the Europeans find a white truffle, they tell us that those trees are at least 50 to 60 years of age. Okay. So there's something in that symbiotic relationship that we're not quite able to tap into yet. I think hopefully it's something that will happen. If it doesn't, it'll be a, tra- a tragic thing because white truffles are effectively becoming extinct. Mm. And a price tag upwards of $7,000 a kilo, people don't leave them behind. Mm. So it doesn't give the truffle ability to repopulate any of the right. natural oak forests. Uh, with its natural predators being the pigs. The pigs have obviously been pushed out because humans don't want to lose truffles to pigs at that price tag. So, mm. again, there's nothing to help carry on that life cycle. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully hopefully there's something that we can we can tap into and that someone will just work it out. That person will be a very lucky person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it might be you, mate. <laughs> if you're the one doing the experiments in here, then, um, yeah. you know, you never know what you can come across. But yeah, there's a lot of things that we can replicate here, but... Um, where, where they grow naturally in Europe, there's a lot of coastal air as well. So um, right. there's a farm in Braidwood that's uh, giving it a red-hot crack and they might yeah. be just as successful. So 
who knows i mean it's a young industry still in australia sort of so you know yeah you're gonna have to have you know if the age of the tree is something is, is one of the factors then yeah it's just a matter of, it's you've got to wait yeah <laughs> but i haven't heard of anyone that's able to cultivate it even um even in europe even in europe exactly worked it out. it's just a yeah. natural process that occurs so. yeah. yeah um and speaking of the pigs you got you've got a few pigs here as well do you want to tell us about all the animals like you've got pigs and you've got how many dogs six dogs yeah so we've got four labradors yeah uh, that's obviously starting with samson so he was he was the the first dog in this story and mm-hmm. the reason why we've been able to purchase the farm hence the rebranding of the farm to the truffle farm and with his little logo mm. because um, he looks good yeah yeah and he's he's paying the mortgage too yeah. so <laughs> uh then we've got the three other labs uh simba nala and willow so all of those were rescue dogs um so we're just looking at certain traits and then we've got max the australian kelpie uh bear the truffle muscle i guess he's a security guard <laughs> and then we've got three pigs winnie piglet and olivia so olivia's the latest addition she was uh owned by a local camera family that thought they'd purchased a miniature pig uh there is no such thing as a miniature pig so she's outgrown <laughs> outgrown the backyard uh but she's quite friendly she'll be able to do the public hunts uh winnie and piglet I got Winnie uh, as a surprise for Danielle. It wasn't it wasn't a good surprise. I said I wanted to buy a pig, and she cursed me and said, "You're not getting another animal." But I knew Danielle too well, and <laughs> I knew if um if I got her home, that I'd be allowed to keep her. So she was this <laughs> tiny newborn pig, but within six months, she was 120 kilos. Um, when I when I brought Winnie back to Danielle, I said, "Well, did she have any brothers and sisters?" And I said, "Yeah, she had a sister." So I had to go back and pick up her sister. So we, <laughs> I didn't just get one. I got the two girls. Um, we we were interested in doing public hunts with those two girls, but they're just a little bit too robust for the public. Yeah, uh, we did one truffle hunt, and she met a young girl that had eaten a peanut butter sandwich, and that poor young girl had become Winnie's best friend. She didn't get hurt or anything, but she was petrified having this yeah. hundred and twenty kilo pig all well, you can chase animals. around the paddock. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now with the, with those girls, it's just tapping into the history of truffles. Uh, obviously, European pigs are the natural predators for truffles and help carry the spores. I wanted to tap into that a little bit. Um, now, come September, truffle industry is finished in Australia. Some of our truffles won't mature correctly, just like any other type of fruit. So the girls are allowed into the paddock. They'll eat any remaining truffles and right. eat the acorns. And through their um, feces, they'll re-inoculate the trees hopefully so that's mm. that's the plan with next year having olivia to hopefully join us on public truffle hunts yeah uh, it's a really cool like i mean having done a couple of hunts and stuff like that it's always just dogs and sort of going back to pigs and having pigs out there on the grove it's just an it's it's a cool sort of nostalgic aesthetic sort of yeah just ha- having that sort of traditional truffle hunter yeah <laughs> roaming yeah. roaming around the trees yeah they're really cool um I guess the other thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, being so close to Canberra, you, you, it obviously sort of facilitates the tourism out here. People can drive out here easily. They can go to the winery next door um, and have a glass of wine after a hunt, um, you know, do a wine tasting or whatever. And then you've got a relationship with, you know, Pod Food and the Boathouse doing yep. the Madura Valley experience. And being a part of the food industry in Canberra, like... It, what's your sort of view and how, how's the response been from, from the chefs and, and, and the community around you from the Canberra food community? Yeah, obviously Canberra food is just taking off in a big way. It's mm. exploding. So in terms of the chefs, I think where that's being a local Canberra kid growing up here and 
Canberra always got beaten up a little bit, so we're pretty protective of it. But we're giving chefs the ability to come out here and source their truffles. They get to pick the truffles that they like. Obviously, Canberra's attracting some international chefs as well. Um, the Italian and French chefs, they obviously have their way of using truffles, so we give them the ability to come out and select their truffles, mm. which no one else gets to do, really. That's cool. Um, internationally, the truffles that they get is kind of what, what they're given. They mm. ask for the grade, but... They go in. Well, it large usually quantities. would go through a middleman as well, a lot yeah, of the time as well. To so. a certain degree, yeah. And so for us, I think the truffle dinners that are happening uh, through this part of the season have been phenomenal. The chefs are really generous with the way that they are applying truffles. Uh, we've broken down that barrier with truffle oil, so everyone is very much aware now that truffle oil is a synthetic product, so it's not being used as much, mm-hmm. which is also good because. When you're buying truffle oil, the price point for truffle oil was almost as expensive as truffles, mm. and it's completely fake. So um, that side of it's good as well. So that education is getting out there. Uh, the chefs are exciting with the dishes that they're trying. Mm. Um, they're Interesting things, desserts and stuff. Yeah. Like I mean, if you this time of year, if if you look around at the top restaurants in Canberra, everyone's got a truffle night. Like yeah. everyone's got at least one truffle night through the season, and Canberra's got its own truffle festival, which yeah. is just this you know web of different chefs and different restaurants and hunts at places like this and there's you know a few other producers in the Canberra region as well so you know the, the public interest is huge it's yeah. great yeah yeah it's going it's going well yeah and um and and you sort of you were saying uh recently you go along to dinners and give a bit of a talk and stuff you yeah. meet the producer which is a cool thing as well yeah it's it's good for me too yeah <laughs> i get pretty spoiled with some of these dinners so no it's <laughs> exciting and and one thing is the chefs are always doing something different they're which is exciting to see. Like they're obviously taking bits from each other, uh, and they know what works. But on these truffle nights, they're they're really bringing their own themes and own ideas yeah. to to the table, which is which is really cool. Mm. Um, some of the things that I never thought would work, uh, people and chefs are getting those to work quite successfully. And exciting enough for us having um, the pop up uh, guest experience out here. Even some of our guests are bringing things for us to try that they've tried at oh, home that's as well, great. which is, is unreal. Yeah. Like, um, a real compliment to the chef and a compliment to the truffles yeah. from the farm as well that yeah. people are willing to come back with little truffle truffles and chocolate truffle truffles and oh, stuff yeah, like that's that. Right. Little yeah. dessert. So it's kind of... Yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, yeah, and I think that that... Like, I mean, it's just really healthy. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a part of a healthy food culture is, you know, if you've got... If you've got the public that are coming to you with your produce, that they've they've created something out of it and they might have visited a truffle dinner and you might have spoke there and then you've got a relationship with the chef who also comes out here and, yeah, it's just a really sort of healthy food culture, people connecting to where their food comes from, knowing about truffles, educating them, you know, about truffle oil or about, you know, different ways of using them and, Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really healthy. And yeah, and I think thing. I think infusions really taken off as well. Mm-hmm. Um, getting that value add out of your truffles versus just the shaving mm. and the theatre side. Yeah, of for the truffles. Sure. So that's always going to have its place, uh, definitely from an aromatic point of view and the visual side of our eating. But infusion for me is definitely key. Mm. It's a key to opening truffles to a larger audience as well. So mm. it breaks down that barrier when when you're infusing, you can prepare your meals on a Wednesday versus just shaving something as a rush mm. on a Saturday night for a dinner party and people will get more bang for their buck out of that. Yeah. So. Um, I, th- I think the ultimate sort of value add is, is truffle eggs because, 
you don't even need to do anything. Like you yeah, don't even yeah. use any of the product. Yeah, it's yeah. just the natural aroma that's just, that's used, and then you've still got a whole truffle at the yeah. end. It's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That eggs and uh, truffle butter would be two of my favourites. So truffle butter is obviously something that at the end of the season we'll make up in fairly large batches. Yeah. Um, I guess that's lucky because we are a truffle farm, yeah. but it gives us truffles in the off season, so you can freeze truffle butter and yeah. take it out in portions that's and it. do things like your pants in scallops and stuff like that. Yeah, so, beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah, great. It's and then just sort of looking ahead to the future, you, you, you're going to get some more trees in and you, you know, you're going to build um, a, a proper wedding venue out here as well? Yeah, that's the plan. So uh, the trees will definitely go in, obviously, with the success and the demand of truffles in this region. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, obviously, learning from mistakes as well. So the planting will, will change slightly in uh, the way it's set out and the types of trees and how we've got the trees working together. Uh, and then the wedding barn uh, is something that I'm really keen to get up and running. Again, being a, a local camera kid, uh, a lot of my friends and family are getting married at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And we're always having to duck out of Canberra for weddings. Mm. And I just started to ask friends why why that was. And it was really down to the lack of um, ability to, and uh, I guess venues. Mm here in Canberra so there's obviously been some really nice ones pop up you've got um, obviously uh, around uh, Pialago Estate is phenomenal the Arboretum Mm. is another special place uh, down down towards um, Cockington Green and some of the venues down there are quite nice but we want to do something a little bit different Mm. here and I'm excited with the plans of that and hopefully Mm. have that up and running in the next couple of years yeah cool well, lots, lots of good things in store. And, I mean, the community's responded really well. Like, this season, I feel like you're saying that... Um, you, you said to me earlier that, you know, production itself at a sort of an all-time high, but public interest seems to be doubling with the with the amount of truffles that you produce every season on social media and, you know, on the television or radio or anything it just it just seems to, or on online it just seems to be just a huge swell of public interest in it beautiful photos being taken people sharing their stories about truffle hunts and then you know their experiences with different dinners and chefs and um and that sort of thing so yeah, yeah. lots of good things ahead yeah yeah that's thanks. great we'll leave it there <laughs> thanks jason oh, you're welcome cheers mate Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Jason Messman from The Truffle Farm. If you'd like to find out more about The Truffle Farm, you can visit their website, thetrufflefarm.com.au. And if you want more of these podcasts, you can search The Quicksand Food Connection on iTunes and on Stitcher, or you can listen to them all for free on our website, quicksandfood.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at Quicksand Food on Facebook and on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you again next time. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, 
or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.